Welcome to episode 59 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. We've had a couple of weeks off, but uh, we're less than two months away from the season, Daz, so we thought we we best uh, just touch base again and um, see how we're, how we're both feeling. So how are you feeling tonight? Yeah, good, man. It's um, It's been slow news. This has been typical August NBA news, but um, yeah, pretty good, mate. Ready to... I can't believe how early the season starts. You were just saying offline... The 20th of October? Is that tip-off? 16th of October? Uh, 16th of October, yeah. That's crazy. Man, that's crazy. So, yeah, it's almost around the corner. Well, they said uh, Pop did the media a favour for the first time in his career by training Kawhi as early as he did. So <laughs> that Kawhi story didn't drag into the off-season uh, any further than it had to. So what we're going to do, though, Dad, is tonight is uh, just do a series of questions about notice. We did this sort of halfway through last season, and we thought this is a, a good good thing to do in the off-season to just sort of go over um, you know some of your thoughts, I guess, around the league, and uh, you know, get get I guess a macro view rather than just focusing on different teams and things like that. So I want to start off with a pretty easy one, one that's close to your heart. What what do we do with the MVP award, Daz? Because I think the MVP award is becoming a bit devalued by what's happening in between the regular season and the playoffs. And you and I argued over the, the MVP award this year. and But I think what ha- what's, what we've seen is, I guess, is the last two years we've seen players win it and then the, the playoffs start. And it's quite clear that those two guys aren't the top players in the league. And I'd argue aren't even among the top five players in the league. I mean, my top five at the moment would be Giannis, AD, LeBron... Kevin Durant and Steph Curry in some order, and maybe Kawhi could sneak back into that. I don't have Harden or Westbrook ranked in the top five. I wouldn't have a massive argument if someone wanted to, but I think it has been problematic, the fact that you've got so many players and a number of teams that just coast through the regular season, and it's not that important to them. And that's somehow the way we want to, we want to rank the best player in the league. I mean, is there a perfect solution here to say... Maybe we change the MVP up where playoffs do matter into it. Should we have a separate playoff award for MVP? What's your sort of thinking about how do we fix this so that we don't look back at some of these seasons and go, well, James Harden was the MVP, but the season belonged to LeBron like we saw from last season? Right. Um, easy one. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of parts of this one, isn't there? Um, so... I guess it goes to so the first thing that jumps to mind is um, do, do we assume something's broken, right? And I guess kind of it's inherent in your question that something is broken or something is off with the award. The the, the changing of the importance of the regular season and the postseason. I, I I don't know why. I don't know why has that become that way? Is it because of the rest? Is it because of um, maybe it's perhaps where this question needs to begin around the, the award is what are some of the causes behind why the regular season is a bit devalued? Like you're saying, rest and guys taking games off and and the fact that the postseason is really, really long. And I guess it's just maybe just focusing on this title, sort of title chase and ring chase. Is that what the is that really the driving factor here? I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think I think it comes down to this this 
championship or bust mentality that we now have around the league and teams are taking that on board. So Golden State don't take the regular season as seriously as what they did when they won 73 games. I think the 73-game season plays into this a little bit, Daz, where there's a view, rightly or wrongly, that if Golden State didn't chase the 73 wins, they might have won that title. Yeah, we'll never know that counterfactual, and it's hard to, it's impossible to know. Was it, was it more of the, was it, was it the nut punch year? That was the nut punch year, yep. Yeah, it was the nut puncher there, the 73 win chase. You know, there's no way to know that. But look, I guess the, for my, so my first of all, my macro view is I don't know if anything's really wrong, Daz. I don't think broken in terms of the awards and what we mean. I think we, we're so 24 7 you know, media saturated that the history books will be pretty clear the last couple of years with Westbrook and Harden in particular, um, where we all sort of thought neither of these MVPs were on a team that probably was going to win the championship. And I go, well, is that such a big deal? If we, if we so clearly say this is the regular season award and we just wrap it up the way we do, and say that's that's what it is, and for you know maybe fans of those teams, I guess I think they've probably gotten some joy out of that. I'm certainly thinking that the the OKC fans in particular had their, you know, you've heard my phrase, my overused phrase, Russ and his fire breathing dragon season, you know, of, of two years ago, highly predictable in a way, right? With KD leaving, you sort of knew he was going to go on this rampage. So it was the one man crusade, and there was something. Again, was that story written in November and December? Probably. Similar with James Harden. The James Harden MVP story started to get written the instant Giannis started to not score 35 points a game you know, in December, where I think he took the MVP lead in December and, and didn't, really, didn't really let off. And so there's something about the narrative, right? The, the, the 24-7-ness, all the bloggers, all the, all the podcasters, you know, it's, it's, it, it, we seem to rally around a story pretty quickly these last couple of years when you think about it and I go, is there anything, is there anything so wrong about that? Now you, I, come, that's coming from the guy who had fire coming out of my ears that, <laughs> that reasoned voters could say, could tell, look us in the eye and say, James Harden is, you know, more valuable than, than LeBron. James. Oh, I think the so, problem uh, I have with it is historically. So you want to look at the season and go, yep, James Harden won the MVP and, and that season belonged to him. And I think if you look historically at the MVPs, that was largely true. And I think what we're seeing now is we're going away from that. I mean, Russ Westbrook wins the MVP and flames out in the first round. Um, Harden went went a bit further in the playoffs last year, but that became Chris Paul's team in the playoffs. And, of course, LeBron does his uh, fantastic uh, sort of last final act in the East um, on the other side of the playoffs. And so the season very much belonged to LeBron, yet James Harden wins MVP, and he, and he was quite a popular MVP winner in terms of the votes that he got. So, you know, and, and is, so, is this a trend that's going to continue where the, the regular season sort of does become a bit uh, you know, undervalued from certain players and certain teams, or is it just a moment in time? Two things for me I think would, would make the MVP as it is, um, a little more palatable is number one is not palatable, but one makes it more palatable is give the award the week after the season, right? Give it during the first round of the playoffs or between round one and round two, right? So to, to truly recognize 
the great season that was just had, right? So I don't even care if the voting is done after 70 games or 75 games. Let the voting happen and release the winner. Let's, let's know the winner, you know, before the playoffs start to sort of yeah. celebrate. That's what it is, right? Um, so that for me would help because because part the second part, which made so unpalatable this year for James Harden, was LeBron James doing what he did to the Toronto Raptors. That for me was the moment where all of all of the basketball planet saw what he was doing, right, with a horrific supporting cast to the number one seed in that conference. And he was eviscerating them at a level we had not seen, maybe since fucking Wilt sort of stuff, right? And that's what made that, that duration between the end of the regular season and the giving of the award, which, and I'll empathize a little bit here with, with Harden, is that, boy, that fucking made that award feel like crap, didn't it? To see LeBron doing this and have everyone kind of go, oh, Christ, the MVP's worth nothing. Well, guess what? If you'd awarded that, you know, the first, um, you know, middle of April, you know, a, a week after the regular season and celebrate it and let him enjoy that, put a wrap around it and we can enjoy the playoffs, you wouldn't have had that so much, I think. But because we sort of had the lingering doubts about who's the winner going to be until after the season, LeBron's meteoric rise made it just sort of, it made it worse, right? So I go, that's perhaps one simple tweak. Give the awards after the after the regular season. Now, look, since this is happening, this is a broader trend, not just the giving of the awards, but no question players are emphasizing the playoffs more. I think a big part of it is player health and being in tune with their bodies and going, you know, if I'm going to play, you know, 85, 95, 100 games, as it were, it's, boy, let's channel this energy, especially like your top two seeds. So the best players on the best, you know, four or five teams are particularly going to be focused on the playoffs. I go, maybe there is something to be said for a playoff MVP. And, you know, maybe we need to start start the history books now um, because I think these, maybe that would have more meaning than the NBA Finals MVP when players like Andre Iguodala, you know, win the frickin' award. We're talking, you know, small sample sets here, right? Or even fucking Kevin Durant, who I didn't think deserved it, really. But, you know, he had a couple of really awesome games. I thought, okay, two good games, and now he's going to get written in the history books as a you know, the finals MVP. When if you looked at the entire, you know, the entire playoffs, maybe that is a more, uh, you know, um, body of a broader body of work that exemplifies, you know, how much a player did to get his team to the finals. So, look, I'm, I guess that's a... It's probably a little, a little bit harder thing to introduce. I guess change like that is harder to introduce, but... Um, uh, well, it is, but it isn't. Would... I mean, they've got their end-of-season awards now, so you've got an opportunity, and they're making up awards. I mean, they make up the best-dressed superstar or something. I guess, like, right. You know, yeah. it's it's not that hard to say, well, let's have a finals MVP. Oh, sorry, a playoffs MVP. I guess the risk is that you further devalue the regular season by now saying, well, that's a regular season MVP... And it doesn't just it, it doesn't mean as much now. So you are devaluing the the MVP award by making it a regular season, or even though it is. But now you're calling it as a regular season award, um, and you know I, I think you're going to exacerbate well, what what may or may not be an issue depending on how you look at it. Well, maybe part of me also thinks maybe it's a maybe one tweak, which I don't know if this has ever been contemplated. Is maybe MVP is the only award. So leave all the other awards as regular season awards, but the MVP is the only one you vote for, you know, in June, 
So you take the 82 games plus the entire playoffs. So maybe you have a finals MVP and a, now that doesn't make any sense either. So you have uh, one MVP that covers all 100 games. So I go, would people have voted for LeBron? Oh, no Kevin, question. Kevin Durant? Yeah, LeBron's like LeBron the MVP would've... if we take playoffs and That's regular thought, right? season yeah. count last year. Not, not even a question. You look at game one of the NBA finals, right? And, you know, no Golden State Warrior had anything that even remotely came close to what LeBron did in game one, right? So he said he's clearly, you know, against the greatest team, still the greatest player against the greatest team. So I don't know if that's got any legs. I, I could sort of see, you know, defensive player of the year, regular season, scoring champ, right, you know, regular season, rookie of the year, regular season, because a lot of those awards will be given to players, and deservedly so, who are on, you know, yeah. lower-seeded playoff teams or even non-playoff teams. And so... That yeah, it's very rare the MVP won't be part of the playoffs anyway. So yeah. I guess the only thing oh, it is... it couldn't if, be. Well, the I only thing is I'm... if a guy gets injured in game 82 um, and you go, well, that's that's a little bit of bad luck and he misses out on the MVP because he gets injured in game 82 um, and it's not part of the playoffs and then someone else rises up in the playoffs. But I, I guess you're sort of just throwing anything out there. Well, we, ha- we have injuries as <laughs> it is, right? So Steph Curry would have been top two vote, probably get her. This year, if he hadn't missed all the, that time, so injuries you know can derail you in in October or in in, in April or May, right? So um, anyway, that'd be. I don't really. I guess what's happened to me is that I was sort of feeling like have we has the MVP started to become scoring champ, the scoring leader on the best team award is what it feels like is happening a little bit as well. Where I think that was probably where I get a little bit of my stomping my feet sort of thing around, you know. Why is it that, you know, that Kawhi and LeBron, have we so, is it just the nature of the NBA that we've so devalued defense? Um, and I go, um, why can't we have a scoring champ? Like and like baseball, baseball has a batting title, a batting champion, and that's a great award. You're the best, at the best average. And I go, why, why can't that be a real award? I just maybe have that problem. I mean, that's the other way to do it is you have a scoring champ award, which is a real thing. You have your defensive player of the year. That's the other side of the ball. Then the MVP is the one you give at the end of the playoffs for the entirety of the full body of work, sort of trying to make it a little more of a, a holistic award, not just, you know, offensive player of the year. So that's part of my problem with the, what's happening to the MVP. Even going back to Steph Curry, it's, you know, he's a bit different because he tilts the, the floor so so unusually with his offensive skill set, um, far more so than Harden, in my, in my point of view. Um, that's maybe what I guess is the perhaps the quote-unquote problem with the MVP is it feels a little bit very, it's just points. Give me the highest scorer on the best team. And I go, oh, is that really a, a good measure? So. Well, I think it's he's a stat-based award. I mean, you you know, don't forget. Yeah. I mean, Harden and Westbrook are putting up big assist numbers, and obviously Westbrook gets his the counting stats award. Yeah, good. It, that's it's good a point. counting stats yeah. award, and that's yeah. and that go, And I, I think the other thing is at the moment, it sort of goes on. Well, who wants to win it as well? So you've got these players that are around about the same level, and it's like, okay, Steph Curry really said, I want to win MVP this year. I think he could make a good good run at doing so. Um, I think if LeBron had a wanted to win MVP, 
the last couple of years, I think he could have easily done it. But the, there's other things that are more important to them um, than winning MVP. I think you're going to see James Harden take a step back this year in voting and in his numbers, simply because he probably doesn't care about winning the award again this year. So that's that's another thing that to just I guess keep an eye on um, in terms of where the award's at. Yeah. Yeah, so and I think Giannis does want to win it. So there's there's a guy that could. I think he probably does. I I think he does. New arena, new coach, new era, sort of stuff. I think, I think he's even the Vegas on favorite at the moment. I think he is actually. Um, So yeah, and that's something to be said for that. Mm. Um, Well, let's let's talk a bit about Giannis now. And the next question I've got for you is: What's a bigger upgrade next season? Julius Randle to LeBron James or Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty to Mike Budenholzer? <laughs> Jeez, it's almost an insult to LeBron, but it's, it's, it literally is impossible not to vote um, for for Budenholzer over Kidd. And maybe only, again, I, I've seen seen enough bad uh, national media writing about the Bucks as evidence they didn't actually watch the games where you, you almost can't overstate the the pollution that Jason Kidd to, did to the locker room, the confidence he destroyed in players like Greg Monroe, Tony Snell, and Jabari Parker, the the fractured locker room he had, and the way he you know would play favorites to um to Jason Terry and, and to and to some of his you know his his pets, and then not to mention the X's and O's. I could the litany of lists of you know the defensive scheme that worked randomly in 2015 when he had Zaza and OJ Mayo and Ursan Ilyasova and just doggedly, refusedly stuck with it, even though the team was finishing bottom 10 in defensive rating and they could not adapt it to his, you know, to his players. I mean, the list goes on and on of how horrible Jason Kidd did the stuff he did. So I, because it's, so that's more of a commentary about the Jason Kidd is a far worse coach than Julius Randle as an NBA player. And I, obviously, I don't put Mike Budenholzer up in the, you know, Greg Popovich stratosphere of, you know, of coaching the way LeBron is in the, you know, LeBron is the, the pop of, of player. But I literally believe the, the, the culture, the system, the the players around him, Bud will actually have a, a bigger delta than, than LeBron will, right? Because yeah, Ingram's a pretty good kid, and Lonzo was Lonzo and was developing, and. Kuzma and Jason Hart had a pretty good season in development, and yes, of course, Elevon, uh, Elevon, uh, LeBron elevates Elevon. That's the new word now. LeBron <laughs> elevating everyone around him, but that's a clever question, Daz. But it, of course, my answer is is Buds is a bigger upgrade than, Le- than LeBron. <laughs> Jeez. Well, let's let's yeah. talk. Let's turn to LeBron for a second. So, it, it, let's assume yeah. if if LeBron if he flames out in LA, let's say. He get he starts picking up a few injuries here and there. He doesn't get, he strikes out in free agency, and they just sort of they top out as say a, a five six seed for the next few years, and then LeBron says, "You know what? I'm going to move into ownership or whatever he does in the next stage of his career." Where does where's his legacy at right now? Assuming he doesn't do it, doesn't really add to it mm. in the in the time with the Lakers. Where do you see his legacy sitting as we stand right now? Well, I think that scenario paints probably what a 10% chance in terms of outcomes, given what we've seen from him to date and the fact that he was at his age 33 season. He played every single game. 
and led the NBA in minutes by a long, long time. I think it's higher than 10% chance of that happening. Flaming out? Mm. Okay, let's... Not I'll totally flamey. Flamey, that's probably putting too far a point of it. We're, well, we've certainly seen his, his best, and he's no longer really relevant in terms of playing Western Conference Finals even from here on in. Well, that's a magical question. When will it actually occur, right? So I go, it's, um, I think it's pretty safe to assume, unless there's some uh, uh, dramatic changing a landscape at the trade deadline, which is a, it's a real possibility, you know that Kawhi Leonard is a Laker in February. You know I don't think that's as, I don't think that's impossible. Um, stuff like that to change their their title fortunes or title probabilities, let's say, this season. But so let's if you were to ask me how many titles, you know point point five over under how many titles will LeBron win in L.A. I my actually would think he probably wins zero. But I would answer that mostly because all of the Golden State Warriors are still in their prime, even if it's towards the end of their primes. The Warriors are all younger than LeBron, right? Mm. They're all younger than him. So that's that's why I go, I don't think any of us, the historians, the, the pundits, the Lakers fans, I don't think any of us should judge LeBron you know, on how many titles he wins the next four years. So that's probably a way I'll answer your question is, his legacy is already so secure um, that he'd really have to do something spectacular, like like Gilbert Arenas, to do anything to, you know, to, to really sully or or dampen or darken, you know, his I guess his his legacy. So the obvious comparison is okay. What's what if LeBron? I think maybe for questions, what if LeBron has a final, let's say, doesn't win a title. And as a final two seasons, the way Michael Jordan had his final two seasons in the in the Washington Wizards, right? Mm. Right, which we all are pretty forgettable. But then you go back to basketball reference and look what MJ did at age 38, 37. He was still uh, infinitely, I'd have to compare it, infinitely more efficient than 37-year-old Kobe, right? Mm. Michael Jordan was still pretty efficient basketball player. And I go, that's what LeBron's going to do. So like even LeBron is really tired and he's breaking down and he plays 60 games. You bet your life LeBron's going to average 19, 8, and 7, right? He'll just become this amazing, you know, almost you know, almost a Magic Johnson level of athlete. Because Magic wasn't a super athlete. He was just a superior, infinitely superior visionary, right? The way he could see and anticipate. Now, that's what LeBron will be. Imagine LeBron just trotting between three-point line and three-point line. He still be a masterful sort of influence on the game, so I think LeBron's going to age very, very well, even if he's not above the rim anymore. So um, I'm a bit rambling now, Daz, but I go his one. His legacy is completely secure. Two, I think it's a very low probability that something occurs that have us go, oh God, it's going to cast shadow of a doubt or cast a negative sort of light on his his game or his decision to play in L.A. And I think that. I think the world is realistic enough to go, you know what, even LeBron knows winning a title here is a long shot against against the Golden State Warriors. And I go, it, I think it's possibly partially due to the fact the Warriors are so great, which made his move to L.A. almost even easier so that he can focus on the brand and, you know, sort of being remembered a little bit in part with, you know, Magic and Kareem and Jerry West and the rest of it. Just being, having, even if it's a footnote, 
right? The four or five years he'll play in LA. I go, I think that's enough in terms of adding to his legacy and you know, adding a chapter and bringing energy back to the forum. I think I'm even I sit in the, in the, in the Midwest in, in basketball terms, having a good Lakers team is good for the league. Right. And it's just so much more interesting, you know, when, when, when the Lakers are going to be good, LeBron will get all the credit for making them, you know, bringing the buzz back to the forum again. So I just don't see, do you see real genuine scenarios that I'm not, not not seeing where he does something that really. No, I think his legacy. legacy I mean, the only thing he can do is add to his legacy. Now, I don't think he can take away from the legacy at all. I guess where I was, I mean, are you one of those people that, that does look at or who's the greatest ever because I don't view it in that in those terms because I just don't think it's a, it's an answerable question. Yeah. Um, but uh, do you sort of think there's something he can do now that pushes him ahead of Jordan? Do you still see him as just a little bit behind or do you, like me, say, you know what, you can't really compare eras? Um, gun to my head, I take Michael Jordan if you made me take a cho- make a choice, but it's just not something I think you, that's, that, that's knowable. I understand why people have it, and my definition is just a it's a fun, if not argumentative debate because it's unanswerable, right? If you sort of treat it clinically and agree the criteria and you you know put rigor to it, you know I go, that's just not fun, right It's just not interesting. so but I, no, i don't I don't spend any psychic energy or thinking about thinking about goat conversations. Um, what I would say is if I were to add, the criteria of, um, I go one piece of criteria, which is never, not whatever, it's under-discussed and underrepresented in these conversations, which gets so bloody narrowly focused on titles and MVPs and these fucking team statistics and team metrics. That's sort of gets, what gets me a little bit fired up is that if you ask me the question, which player had the greatest impact on the game, right, is, is very hard not to argue that. LeBron James's impact on the game of NBA basketball to globalize it, the way it's changed the, the labor relations, the way that players have taken such great control of their careers and they're creating brands and businesses, not just earning paychecks and, and on and on. And I think his impact on the game and the way he gives uh, power and credence and vitality to have a having a social voice that you know um, David Stern and Adam Silver can almost speak almost in a complete unanimity with with LeBron and the players and, and the owners are almost always in sync on the stuff and it's so easy to see that because we got the NFL in particular in such an opposite situation so like, the list goes on and on of the impact on the sport. It, for me, that's what would almost, you know, hard, very, very, very hard to argue uh, that LeBron didn't have a greater impact. But is part of that the era that he was playing in? I mean, would Jordan have had more of an impact in, in today's era, you know, socially and in terms no, of player control? No, it's not. It's, I'm just it's not his personality, is it? No, because guess what? Muhammad Ali had an un- unbelievable impact in the frickin' 60s and 70s, right, when mm. there wasn't any media whatsoever. Michael Jordan had a global brand. So Michael Jordan knew how to build a brand, right? And the, obviously his iconic, iconic Nike and Air Jordan, that will live on for God Well, Republicans buy sneakers too, Des. <laughs> yes, 
Yes, they do. Well, that was his quote. He that, That's Jordan's quote. That's not that's my a very, quote. That's a funny quote, right? But Jordan, right? So, but Jordan didn't lift others up around him. Jordan was the, you know, he was like the um, slightly more tolerable yet mostly insufferable competitor like Kobe. Kobe, entirely insufferable. Michael Jordan, mostly insufferable. All right, and that's what everyone, and that's why I still the dumbest, most irresponsible thing Bill Simmons ever said was talking about when he's talking about Jordan, saying he was universally loved. He couldn't be more wrong. I don't know why he said that. Jordan was hated and reviled, and he was tolerated. Right? He was an awful teammate who won everything and was so brilliant. Like Jordan didn't lift the league up. Jordan barely lifted. Jordan dragged his teammates along with him begrudgingly, right? Jordan just didn't, you know, what's the what's the phrase? He didn't, he didn't create rising tides to lift all boats. The way LeBron just sees himself so bigger and sees his his role and his duty to to his Akron, Ohio, and to all of the state, and to Cleveland, and to the and to the sport, and he just has so many more levels of. I guess duty or obligation. So that mm. has nothing to do with Eric, because Jordan had plenty of platforms. It just wasn't his personality. It wasn't in him. It wasn't in him. He liked to gamble and fuck and and and. Party. I think he's probably lucky he wasn't in this era. Yeah, it may be so. I mean, he was a hedonist, and we'll never know. The I guess the well, maybe we'll know one day, but the the you know the truth, truth, the the real facts or the true facts about why Jordan quote, retired or quit or was asked to leave or whatever. But, you know, the speculation is rife. But LeBron James, is he lives and breathes, right, what the sport can mean. Jordan had that chance. It just wasn't his – it wasn't in his nature. Yeah, well, so, I think the story so about a, the, the school for LeBron uh, that, that came out in the last few weeks is, is sort of touches on that, doesn't it? I mean, there's no better example of what you're talking about. School, labor relations, social causes, commenting about about Trump, you know, being in lockstep with, you know, like LeBron and Steve Kerr, kind of like the two mouthpieces for the social issues, right? You could probably even add pop, pop in a way, right? So, you know, that's the mouthpieces for what, you know, what, what do we, the NBA, believe in? What are the symbols we want our youth to, to observe and to, and to represent? What's the voice we're going to have? You know, given the platform we have, which is increasingly global, and and that's what's almost so annoying about LeBron is so he's so fucking squeaky clean that way, right? He's almost robotically inhuman, where his perfect fitness and his beautiful kid and the lovely wife, and he's never in trouble. He doesn't get busted gambling. He's on a fucking banana boat for Christ's sake, right? Michael Jordan had you know smoking cigars and you know all, all kinds of you know all kinds of fun the way boys in college have fun, right? So so that's where I go. I, I'll pause and stop there and just kind of go, I, if you want to start to argue stats and titles, that doesn't interest me. What would interest me is a dialogue around, did, did Michael Jordan, you know, if you want to talk about the greatest, uh, I think history is going to remember LeBron having a far greater impact on the sport. It'll take a while. It, it will definitely take a while. But, um, like, look at Michael Jordan as an owner. What has he done? <laughs> No, well, really, we touched on that a few times, haven't we? Like, if if LeBron's Jordan, chasing yeah. Jordan's ghost as a player, well, he might never get there. But uh, you can always go into ownership, and he'll overtake him in probably year one. 
Yeah. Well, that's right. And I kind of go, I think, Le- I, I, just, I go think about, and I put LeBron to the side for the minute. Think about what Jordan has accomplished. How has Jordan contributed to the NBA the last 15 years as an owner? He's been pretty ordinary. He's been pretty quiet. He's made a lot of bad decisions. He doesn't really have a great track record. Um, you know, he, he would have financially helped that, you know, that Charlotte franchise stay and remain in Charlotte. So he gets some credit there locally for, you know, reinvesting back in that part of the country for a team. But, you know, he, he has done shit. Now, can you imagine LeBron James going silent and not having an impact for 15 years, Daz? It's nah, unfathomable. LeBron's much closer to magic in terms of his personality, whereas Jordan is a, a bit more, I don't know if introverted is the right word. Personality, but... uh, business, business acumen, strategic mm. thinking, uh, right, l- lateral thinking, global thinking. Jordan, I think, likes being an owner of an NBA club full stop because it's cool. They are, right? <laughs> I just Jordan's aspirations are not greater than himself. I just don't believe that to be true. So, um, so if you're talking the man and their impact on the sport, I go that that conversation's a pretty clear run about goat goat for LeBron in my in my estimation. And then if you start talking, you know, nine straight finals versus winning six, and I, I kind of go blah. Yeah, that's a that's a. There's no one going to win the argument. That doesn't really that doesn't really interest me. Yeah. So look, well, the way I look at it, Daz, is more. I look at it in the eras, and I don't think you can compare eras. So I look at it as like yeah. you had Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain. Then it went into Kareem. Then it went into Magic and Bird. Then it went to Jordan. Then you probably had um, you know Tim Duncan, Kobe era, and then it goes to LeBron. So if, if if I case it like that, who do you think? If we're talking about this in ten years' time. Who who does the next era of the NBA belong to? What player do you think is going to rise up to that level? Steph Curry. It's Steph Curry. He's won multiple. MVPs. Well, has he already had his moment though, and he didn't quite? Has he reached that level where we're going to say that they, was the Steph go, era? Or if they win two more titles, Des? Right, I go. Steph Curry suddenly has five titles in six. Yeah, but years. if KD wins another, if KD wins three of the four Finals MVPs, are we talking about Steph Curry? Yeah, we are. I, I think the basketball nuts certainly are, right? Think about how much we, you know, crap KD gets, and and when when Steph is missing from that team, that's not the Golden State Warriors. When KD's missing, that's oh, that's a team who, right, um, was the greatest regular season team of all time. Didn't have Kevin Durant on it. That team won an NBA title without Kevin Durant on it. The Warriors were the Warriors before KD got there. That's one hundred percent Steph. Well, Steph in, Steph in the game, but in this conversation, mm. but Steph. So I go if they win two or three more titles. What if Kevin, what if Kevin Durant leaves? It makes it even more obvious. But I think basketball nuts maybe push back. But I go I, that team, that team is still, they probably still the favorite. If Kevin Durant leaves, and you put Harrison Barnes back on there, a nice oh no, they're still favorite. They're still favorites, right? That's why I go. He tilts the floor more than Kevin Durant does. Right. Kevin Durant's temperament, we saw, is just he, Kevin Durant is better in a second fiddle role. And I go, that's because of Steph's existence. Right? If Steph left that team for a year, Steph did a Jordan or went and played on the, on the PGA Tour, which he actually might do. He <laughs> loves golf so much. Like, you know, that team with Kevin Durant and Draymond and Clay? Yeah, yeah but is it his yeah. league? I mean, I'm talking, you know, that, that's where I look at it and say, 
this is, you know, is he well, at that level where it's him and LeBron fighting out for who's league? It's still LeBron's question. league. Whose who's league is it going to be next? I'm not sure it will be Steph Curry's. Well, Steph's too old then. That's okay. That's a very good point. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, look, I think it's a three... I think it's a three-man race between uh, Giannis, um, Anthony Davis, and uh, you're not going to... Can you guess the third name I'm going to say? I would think maybe Embiid. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Well, you know I'm high on Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell is... Right. Think about what he did at his age and his meteoric rise. And I give the Utahness and the and the smallness of the market. And the Utahness might hold him back a bit, but I go... Just in the realm of probabilities, right? The way he holds the ball, he controls the ball, controls the tempo as initiator, point guard, scorer. Um, he can leap out of the gym. He sort of has every sort of aspect you want. Playmaker, leader, uh, unbelievably articulate, smart, heady. He has every, he ticks sort of every box, right? And the way we talk about Giannis from year two to year five, which is holy crap this meteoric rise to a superstar. Um, that's why I think Embiid just has, for me, he started way too late. He missed a couple of years. And the, the, he's played, what, 100 NBA games now, right? He's just, I think he's missed it a bit, and his injury risk for me is so severe. I don't think he's there in the conversation. No, I don't. I mean, the thing with Mitchell, when, when Mitchell was doing what he did in the playoffs, when, you, when you're sitting there and you're comparing and, you, and you're going – these are the five players that have done what Donovan Mitchell did, does or has done. And you're talking about Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain and Moses Malone. They're the sort of names he's being put up there with. Now, admittedly, as a rookie, but it's like no other rookie's done it before apart from them guys. So that's what made me sit up and take notice and think, this guy, and I said it to you, I think he has top five all-time upside. Like, that's... That's and, and that's absolutely hyperbolic. I understand, but that when when you're being talked about in those sort of terms as a rookie, you think how good could the guy end up getting? I think his upside is inefficient, Kobe. I'm with you. I, so I don't know if that's top five or he's let's call it top twenty of all time. For he has that in him, no question. Imagine him getting efficient. Right? Imagine him being a little. You know, I think he'll mm. always be a little more efficient than a Kobe. So that's where I go. So that's a really interesting question is who's the whose era is it? So Steph might win all these titles, um, but he really hasn't held the era. Maybe because that's his personality. Right? He's, he's such a quiet, quirky. Well, um, I think if right, KD assuming... doesn't come along, I think maybe you say, yep, he has. Maybe. If they yeah. win those next couple of yeah. titles, maybe you say, no, he's rested that title. But the fact that he sort of had KD and he sort of, they've sort of take, said your turn, my turn a little bit within even some of these playoff series, I think that hurts his legacy in that sense. To just say, I think that's right. Say, that, yeah. That's his, his, his league. Whereas I, I agree, I think Mitchell's got that level in him. Whether he'll reach it or not, I'm not sure. But when you're seeing a guy in his first season go toe-to-toe the way he did with Westbrook and get the better of him um, in that great playoff matchup, yeah. um, and I, th- that, that makes I'm you stand you. up and take notice. And, and, um, per, and personality and persona also play a part. That's why I put Anthony Davis a maybe even a distant third in those two. That's why Giannis, with his global appeal, this boyish, right, this kind of rags-to-riches story, is just such a such an easy person to get behind, right? Because he's got still got that boyish charm, um, you know, to take selfies, and, you know, at weird tourist sort of things. He's got this, 
so it, it appeals to such a wide audience. Donovan's different in that way, right? Obviously, being an American, and you know, he's just got that super articulate, like dead serious NBA basketball player about him, right? Where he could just be this this force, right? Just this force on the court, and he's so smart. He's almost Jalen Brown, sort of clever, right? And just has a head on his shoulders. Or kind of go. That's why I, I tip them. Where Anthony Davis is really not a. He's kind of neither of those things, right? He's a little bit more, a little bit more laid back, a little bit more gentle. He's just so almost feels like a guy who's constantly had to apologize for being so unbelievably talented since he's probably been 11 years old because he's so unbelievably talented. It's like he almost shies away from it. So I think AD still against such a spectacular talent, but he might always be the third best player in the league just because of his personality. That's not a criticism. It's just you know a little bit of the, I just sense humility in him. Or Giannis is like, fuck this. I might as well be the best of all time. No, not. Mm-hmm. I think Donovan might, might view that as a, hmm, okay, I think I should be the best of all time. And he'll write like a business plan how to do it <laughs> and execute it. But, um, yeah, I think it comes down to situation. Cool. Tell me, if AD falls into the right situation, um, I think he's going to elevate himself above the other two. But at the moment, that's not that. And I, but I don't think he's the sort of guy that yeah. can do what Giannis has done in Milwaukee and to a lesser extent what, well... We're probably overrating what Mitchell did at Utah last year, but what we think Mitchell's capable of doing at Utah, let's put it that way. Um, whereas I think Davis, he needs to be in a different situation than what we're seeing um, at, at New Orleans at the moment there, to reach his potential. There's something about trajectory as well, right? Well, I'm saying, I'm saying Anthony Davis has been the most skilled and best in best basketball player, right? If you just talk pure skill, it's hard to argue, right? For years i'd even say he's probably more skilled than lebron right the way he can shoot the way he can elevate he can do everything his personality though right he's just kind of his personality isn't that i want to take a a world domination personality right which you kind of need a little bit to your question was who's you know whose nba is this pardon me if it's a lebron's nba who might he pass the mantle to ad has a skill i just don't know if he has the personality for it Mm. Embiid would have the personality, kind of, but I just I think Embiid's you know how I'm, I think I'm there's so a lot of bluster with Embiid. I think Embiid's going to have a short career. I think he's going to short career. Maybe it's an injury or or, or just um, yeah, it's bluster. I just I, he feels destined for a this beautiful three to five year career that we remember brilliantly. But I just every every instinct in me says it's a short situation. Ben Simmons is the, is the he's the long play there in Philadelphia, no question. So, and he's not a lead. He's not a similar. He's so unassuming and humble and quiet. He's not the. It's not going to be his league either. Jalen Brown, if he had a little more, if he had a little more offensive game to him, I mean, he'd be the sort of type. His personality, right? He could take over the league, but he doesn't have the. I don't think he has the skill set for it. So, no. to me, Daz, it's a racing two. It's between Lonnie Walker and Dante Divincenzo. <laughs> Well, we know it's not a race between uh, DJ Wilson and anybody, so yeah. Dante DiVincenzo, motherfucker. <laughs> he scored one, one point from 17 possessions in Summer League, so there Thanks. you go, off to a great start. <laughs> and the Bucks actually just signed a better version of him for like 50 bucks, Pat Connaughton, right? We actually already got Dante DiVincenzo called Pat Connaughton. That's your, that's your, that's your upside, Dante. 
Don't take that. Take edit. Don't no. Stop it. You're mean. <laughs> so I, I, lo- God, <laughs> Lonnie Walker better suck. Oh, please, God, he better suck. Oh, so, uh, who's the next? This is sort of going on, I guess, the same point. Who's the next champion not named Golden State? Oh, I think we talked about this before. It has to, my easy answer is Boston, right? I think they're set up for short term. But do Boston need a superstar term. to get there? And, and, yeah, do, and if, if so, do they have that superstar on their roster? No, the they moment? don't have him yet. They definitely don't have him yet. I, but they got again. They've got so many assets and so many tradable contracts and so many future picks and a really good coach and a shrewd. We hate him, but man, Ainge is Ainge is good, right? Ainge is really good. So I go. It's in, they have everything. They've got money, a fan base. Uh, they got they got the whole shooting match. Right, they just don't have the they don't have the Giannis or the AD, but so my money is, and if you ask me who's going to win it first, a Giannis team, a Carl Anthony Towns team, a Joel Embiid team, or Anthony well, that's Davis. That's where team. I looked as I look at the superstars, and I think you're assuming one no. of them guys is going to go to Boston. I don't know that they are. Well, Giannis is definitely not a fit there. I mean. Well, AD is the obvious one. Well, who's your? I mean, would you vote anyone besides Boston to? to, to I, I honestly title? think it's going to be. I think Anthony Davis is going to be on the next team to win the title. Oh, that's interesting. Right there's, there's a hot, hot take, take for you. Yeah, right, so, right, right. Should I just say New Orleans on that case if if he's um, favourite to stay there? But excuse me, I probably wouldn't do that necessarily. So. That's an interesting idea. I look right. at it. I look at a player base more, and I just I think with Boston at the moment, like what they're building. You know, what's what's Jason Tatum's ceiling? I think we see Jalen Brown's ceiling is good, but not necessarily a superstar. The history tells us, Daz, you need to have one of the top five players in the league outside of like the two thousand and four Pistons to win the title. And I don't think Boston have that on their roster at the moment. And and you're assuming they're going to get that, so. I'll just say, because, and and the reason I say Anthony Davis is, I just think from free agency point of view, he's probably more likely to walk than maybe what Giannis is. Um, And all due respect to the Bucs, I'm not sure that they're necessarily building a championship roster around him at the moment. Um, So, (laughs) to put it mildly, when we're just talking about their latest draft pick. but um, So, I think New Orleans are, are... not necessarily putting a great roster around Davis either, but I think either he'll stay there if they get it right or he'll go to the best possible chance for him to win a title if they don't get it right. And I think that's going to be the next team that's going to come up and, and win the title outside of Golden State. What's he got, two years left? he got two years left, so this year and next year. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah, okay. So they're, they're definitely on the clock this year. I actually think they're going to have a good year. I, I think people are sleeping on just how good they're going to yeah. be this year. And that sort of leads into my next question, um, which I'll give you in a moment, but I'm sort of giving away what my feeling is there. So I think they're going to have a very good year. I think they could push you know, two or three seed next year in the West, um, given, again, I'm not sure how serious Houston are going to take the whole regular season. They might aim for the playoffs themselves. So um, I think people are sleeping on it. If they can get through and maybe get through the Western Conference Finals, that changes the, the trajectory of whether they can keep Anthony Davis or not. But, but that's where I would look more at the, the, the superstar players rather than... So I'll, I'll take the field against Boston, Daz, and we'll have a bet on it. How, how do you mm. like that? 
The field. I don't know if I'd like to give it the field, but I'll give you five teams. I don't know about the field, though. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, if I was going to take five teams, where, I think. Where do you think AD goes, though? Right? Like, they're not going to let him walk in free agency. That's 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 franchise suicide. So I go, if AD walks, it's actually they're going to have to trade him. So that's where I kind of go, it has to be Boston. Right? Like, who else has anything could even remote value? Like it's just, just, well, it depends how some of those young team. guys that Lakers go, I guess. Um, yeah. Philly yeah. potentially are always going to have some guess. some assets there uh, to yeah. throw around. So who knows? Him and Giannis might form the next super team in Milwaukee. Does yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but look, I don't sleep on New Orleans being that the team that does it. I mean, he might end up staying there, and, and they get the right move and a superstar goes there to play with him. We've already seen that'd be an awesome story. Um, And that'd be be an awesome story. story. So just, just for the sake of throwing team out there, I'll say New Orleans just for the, just for the backing of the the, the Anthony Davis story. And then if he leaves and wins it elsewhere, I can still say I was right. Well, look, it's a fair argument. I think actually you've got, it's totally defensible. I see where you're coming from. So I was taking the which is a team that has the most assets, but I, you've said, no, it's going to be a superstar. And yeah, I think it's a very, actually quite a fair argument to be, I hadn't thought about it, but that's, that's not as crazy as a take as you, as you <laughs> trying to make it out. It's a pretty well, good take actually. Let's talk yeah. about the next one, the, the sleepers. I mean, who do you think people are sleeping on for next season? And we'll look at one in the West and one in the East. I've already said New Orleans. I think people are sleeping on New Orleans to a lesser extent. Well, I won't, I'll go into the other team, I think. But New Orleans, I like what they did in the offseason. I've, I've said it before on this pod, Daz, and I'm going to say it again. Now, I think Alfred Payton's going to have a breakout year uh, this year. And people, are, <laughs> people are saying that, oh, Rajan Rondo, geez, what this a loss. Is, what know, a loss Rajan Rondo is. We're recording is. this, right? What this a loss. recorded. Uh, well, I'm you're going on, on record, Daz. You're on Alfred Island. I'm going on record. Alfred Payton is going to have a breakout year next year at New Orleans. They're going on about Rajon Rondo, what a loss he's going to be. I think this guy is, uh, certainly in the regular season anyway, um, because Rondo only brings it when he's on national TV games. So I, I think he's going to have a good, a good year. I don't think he's going to be an all-star or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But I think he's going to prove himself as an NBA-caliber player and pick up a longer-term contract uh, after what he does this season. I'm happy to be wrong. He's had the haircut already, does so he's looking good. Who's who's your sleeper next year in in the Western Conference? Sleeper team. There's teams that put me to sleep, <laughs> but um, you know there can only uh, the only team that I can think of that's we're, we're sleeping on them when we sleep on them for every era is um, imagine a. If Mike Conley plays 72 games and Marcus Gasol plays 72 games and Jaron Jackson's actually, you know, you know, a solid, you know, uh, kind of dynamite rookie. I don't mean sleeping in terms of this team's going to, you know, contend for a like a top three seed. But I think yeah. Memphis could be a pain in the ass 45 win team that has a massive 20 some game improvement if you simply just got Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol playing 70 games again. Um, and a little bit of, you know, um, a little bit of internal improvement there, and they get some, some Jackson magic there. So that's my, I'm going purely based on under 
underutilized assets and getting just talent back on the roster compared to last year. So I think they could be a sleeper, you know, seven seed, right? That's probably their ceiling. Mm. That's probably a pretty optimistic ceiling. But I just, everyone else kind of is who we think they are. Well, what about um, Minnesota? I mean, Minnesota were on, on target no, for a top three season no, before Butler went out. No, and then no, Butler's going to be back. I no, mean, if Butler plays 70 no, games. <laughs> that's, no, that's... That I would bet ignore. I would bet a large amount of of money that that ends up more Stan Van Gundy Detroit than it ends up anything else. It's not going to end up in a Terry Stotts beautiful, you know, next six years as a top five seed sort of Portland story. That team is in that team's in turmoil. No. Des they re-signed Derek Rose, right? If, I think they're going to sign uh, Noah. I think Noah's going there as well. Go for it. He's right? getting the That's band I mean. back together. Carl Anthony Towns got you know gets more excited about you know video games than he does about you know playing basketball. That team, Andrew Wiggins is about to start his hundred and fifty million dollar contract. The guy who had a fourteen per last year, right? That t- no, no. There's no one sleep. There's no. There's no sleeping. That's a former number one pick on a max contract. Another m- number one pick who's infinitely better. Like Carl Anthony Towns should be shooting the ball thirty times a game, like Westbrook. And he, he was number he was number three in fucking field goal attempts last year. That team's broken. This team, as constructed, is broken. Crazy Daz. No, no, I, I don't think they are. I just wanted to play devil's advocate. No, look, with no, uh, what, I you, what I thought you were going to say, so that. The other natural sleeper. Oh, just quickly, expect- a question without notice on oh, Wiggins. Let's go. see how good your memory is. Oh, every, you know, on basketball reference, they have comp players for every player in the Right, league. of course. Who they is do. Andrew yeah. Wiggins' comp? Oh, God. What? So, based on what? War We've discussed trajectory? this based on his PER, but it's PER based. Who is PER his comp? PER based over his career. Oh, my God. Is it like. Um, um, let's see, high volume. Is it like Alex English or Kiki Vandewey? No, it's not even a high volume so guy, actually. 19, 1980s scorer? Or? No, no, no. It's a, Can you, it, well, <laughs> I'll just give you win? the answer because you'll never oh, yeah, get yeah. it. Yeah. It's Matt Bonner. <laughs> Bullshit. Go We've talked about up. this before, haven't we? That's right. Nothing Go and look it up. That. Go and go. Uh, actually, I, I hope it hasn't changed since I last checked it, but I'm sure it was in the last season. I checked that. So, so where, who no, did you, what did I, you think I, I was thought, going to say? I thought you were going to say Oklahoma City. I think, I think Oklahoma City is going to be fucking solid. Like, I think, you know, that PG's That'll in for the long haul. You know, they've got a little bit of, you know, finally some bench, you know, bench big, you know, a little bit upside there with, with Noah. Um, Noah. Nerland's Noel. Got me thinking Noah. Right? <laughs> um you know, the freaky athlete, Hamadou Diallo, you never know what he might become. Ferguson couldn't wholly emerge into this really super dogged, another, you know, Andre Robertson type, you know, crazy freakish, get in your grill, you know, wing defender. They got Jeremy Grant back on a pretty good, you know, pretty good contract. They got, I don't have, he hasn't shown us much, but TLC from Philly, he's got a little bit of upside. And I don't think Patrick Patterson could be any possibly be worse mm-hmm. than he was last year. And who knows? Maybe Schroeder, who's he's got some talent. Maybe he can be, you know, something. Even if he plays like old Oladipo, that's you know, that's probably better than what they've had to at least let Russ get a fucking breath for, you know, six or seven minutes a night. So I think OKC, man, I think they got a chance to be 
you know, minus minus um, Carmelo Anthony. That for me, I'll be honest. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. That for me is my. It's that's the two seed right now. I'm I'm saying it. Houston's. No. I think Houston's window is closed. I think Houston's going to be really really good. But I actually think I would put money on OKC having a, a steadier, um, steadier, more a bit a better team and a better chance to finish a number two seed next year. No, well, I'll go. I don't know what you think about that. Well, I'm not ready to sure. se- select the number two seed just yet, but I, I'm pretty confident I won't be putting OKC that high. Can you can you believe how much the US media is making of Camilo Anthony's signing in Houston? Sure, I can. Yeah. Why? What is it? Is it just the because he's a name and I, I don't get it. Well, I mean, they... this is a guy that really shouldn't. I, I'm not even convinced he's an NBA level player anymore, and I'm serious we, on that. We we had press conferences for Dwight Howard, who <laughs> thinks he's still a star. I'm not kidding you. We did, right? That's just the NBA. That's Houston, right? Yeah, but it's, there wasn't you know, as the... much talk about Dwight Howard. I mean, this is there's been a lot of talk about Melo and oh, is he going to come off the bench and what's he going to do? I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's not going to you know play what? once they realise what he what he does, especially in the playoffs. Well, Carmelo Anthony has a lot of fans, like a lot of he, a lot of fans follow Carmelo, right? But did they watch him play last year? Then not the smart ones. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm also look. Carmelo sucked, right? He did. He sucked. By both things can be true. He sucked, and he was horribly misused. Both things are true. So I'm not saying he's going to be fucking. I think it's, it's a huge downgrade on Houston. I don't get it, right? I actually would literally much rather have Trevor Ariza. No question. Ten times out of ten, I'd rather have Trevor Ariza. But I kind of go from a basketball perspective. Give me Carmelo Anthony for two point five million dollars. That's a that's easy. No, Why not? No, you easy. can pay me ten million. I wouldn't have him on my team because he's got to no, play. He's not, he's not a. He's not a cancer. He's a. He he's a net negative on the court. Daz. He's two point five million point? a year. They can get cut. But it's a media circus. Cut. It's a media circus while he's there. Why not just cut him and save you time to begin with? Well, of course, it's a media circus. Like, no, it's, it's, he, uh, look, it, it's not going to end well. I, I'm, he I'm was the number to... one player in the New York Knicks for six yeah, years. Right? Where did they to... go? They had one good season. Nowhere. That's what I mean, but that's what I'm saying. He has he, he has a lot of fans. People like watching him shoot the basketball, right? People like Carmelo. It literally goes back to him winning a title. You know who's not a man. fan and who doesn't like him shooting the basketball? Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> <laughs> what was D'Antoni's quote? Um, oh, he's a better fit in Houston than he was in New York. That's it. He's a better fit. So well, it, remain, it remains to be seen. Anyway, we've we've Ringing been too long. So, what about the East? Who, who's your sleeper in the East? Who's the team you think? No one's actually talking about this team, and I, I think they're a they're a sneaky chance oh, of doing geez. better than what people are talking about. I mean, I know it's a dumpster fire once you get past a certain level, but who's the team? It's, it's probably Washington for you, is it? <laughs> no way! No way! Um, you know who it is. <laughs> it's the aforementioned Pistons. Ah, well, that's a good get. That's a good get. And they got a, they got themselves a really good regular season coach. Um, you know, I I think Blake's gonna have no choice but to just try to be happy and 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 play. Um, and I think he's gonna get a lot of freedom. Um, <laughs> Drummond's been working on his outside shot, <laughs> which I laugh. But um, is that serious? 
Yeah, he's been <laughs> working on his jumper. I read this. Yeah, I know. I like. I loved. Totally irrationally loved the Glenn Robinson three signing. I think it's a nice little upside. You know, he's not a dial, you know, dial you know, moving the dial, so to speak. But I mean, this is mostly about I guess how many teams have gotten worse and just how bad things are. But I like. I, I think they can win some games next year, Daz. With good coaching and maybe Luke Kennard can get more a little regular sort of role, you know, the bench shooter and maybe, you know, maybe I like Kyrie Thomas. That was a, a sneaky good pick in the second round. I think it's super athlete from play Creighton. I like, I like him. I kind of like, I don't know. Pist- Pistons. Pistons. No one's talking about him and they can win 46. There you go. Well, to me, it's the paces. I, I just wonder how far the paces could push up. Um, really? I can't get the, the, the thought of them pushing LeBron more than maybe anyone's pushed LeBron in in the, all the years he went through that Eastern Conference. That was the first team that just come in and punched him in the mouth. And fair play to LeBron and the Cavs, they, they eventually got through it in seven. But, you know, I, I just like the fact that Vic Oladupo is probably working on parts of his game now. And you want to talk about alpha dogs and guys who think they're the best. I don't think there's any doubt he thinks he's the best player in the Eastern Conference. Now, I don't share that opinion necessarily, but I... I, I like the fact that he he's not going to give he's gives zero fucks about what Boston are going on about you know or they're the or people saying that they're the runaway favourites and Kawhi's going to Toronto and this I think he sees himself now as the best player and I think he sees Indiana as the second best team behind Cleveland last year and I think with LeBron not there um, at least Vic Oladipo would give give Indiana a very good chance now the downside to them is. I don't think any team rests on one player, maybe more more than, say, Charlotte with Kemba. But if, if Vic misses any sort of games, this team's going to be a dumpster fire. Um, yeah, I mean, any... Indiana's, Indiana's worse. Like, if you talk about, you take the Bucks minus Giannis or Indiana minus Victor Oladipo, the Bucks are still way better. Well, they didn't win a game last year without Vic. And, and the games they lost in the playoffs were in Vic. Vic didn't uh, that, well. Yeah, so I, that's interesting. I think, I think they're being overrated based on their playoff performance. I hate the TJ Leaf pick. I don't like the Doug McDermott signing very well. I got Tyreek Evans. Do they overpay for him? I don't know. We'll see. Tyreek, is he going to play with such the same fervor and fearlessness as the guy who's trying to get a contract last year? Now he got a bit of a, you know, a bit of a deal. Um, I didn't love the Aaron Holiday. He's a dwarf, that pick. You know, Ike Anagbogu and all these UCLA guys. I didn't love that pick. He's a bit of a rigid defense-only sort of player. Does Sabonis have much upside? I love Sabonis, but he's a great, like, seventh man. I kind of go, for me, all of Indiana, the entire Indiana Pacers team rests on Miles Turner upside. And he is, he is you know, a, a nice, solid step above. That doesn't say much. He's a solid step above Thon Maker at this point. He had a horrible season last year. He didn't do much at all. So for me, it's not Miles Turner completely turning himself into a, you know, baby Joel Embiid. That team ceiling is, you know, is you know Victor Oladipo playing forty six minutes a night. So well, it could happen. I mean, that's I think... you say that. You're right. No one's talking about it, but that's that's a fair point. But I, man. I think they're being overvalued next oh, year. Oh, if, if it, well, not really. I mean, everyone's sort of saying it's you know there's a race in four essentially between Toronto, uh, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Boston. And I don't hear Indiana getting into that conversation. I think if Vic Oladipo plays seventy five games, I could see them sneaking into that top four. They were very nearly in the, a top four seed last year. Um, I could see them sneaking in that top four. And if Vic's up and about in the playoffs. 
then I think it becomes a yeah. different conversation because he's going to go out there and he will be the best player in the series every game, bar if they play Milwaukee, I'd argue. Um, and I guess Maybe. we'll see what happens in Philly and in Boston with how some of their top players play. So there's something to be said for that, and I think they would have taken great confidence out of what they did in the playoffs last year, even though they didn't quite get over the hump. Um, you know, they didn't completely crap the bed like the Toronto Raptors did. Do you think... Do you think they did enough to improve this off season with the you know the guys I was just mentioning? Doug I McDermott actually don't mind Doug McDermott. Oh, I don't mind right. the Doug McDermott signing. <laughs> um, and and Tyreek Evans, look, he was highly sought after at the trade deadline last year and had obviously had a good year in terms of the numbers he put up in uh, in, yeah, in Memphis. Memphis. But um, we'll wait. So I mean, look, that's a little bit of bench scoring, and that was an issue for them. I mean, if if they need someone that can just score off the dribble if Vic's not, not hitting shots or if, even if you know, Vic is having a, a night where he might get a bit more rest. Um, they can go to Tyreek Evans and he can at least keep the offence afloat for a little bit. Um, but look, they could be revert to the moon too, Daz, because we did talk about the paces, didn't we, last year and just said, look, nothing really makes sense about how they've been a, five, a top five seed in the East um, in terms of their real plus minus and stats like that that normally would would say that. So we'll see. There, there may actually yeah. be a reversion to the moon um, and, and, and I, I might yeah. end up with on my face over that yeah. one. And to state the obvious, Tyreek Evans is like the Danilo Gallinari of guards. The last three seasons he's played 25, 40 and 52 games, right? That's no, not a misprint. 25, 40 and 52 uh, just, yeah, I think oh, the only thing I'd say, I think he'd been on crap teams as well who have been tanking at the time and he, he could have been right to come back and hasn't. So I'd, I'd be interested to see how much that played a part. But I agree, he's not the most durable guy. You're not expecting yeah. 70, 80 games out of him. Let me give you one more question, Daz, um, to finish on. How many games of uh, Brian Bowen Jr. are you going to go out and catch uh, this year for the Sydney Kings? A lot early, right? So... Um... This is the kid who, um, five-star recruit out of high school, had a commitment to, I think, Louisville. I think number eight where, ranked. Just the number eight ranked, yeah, ranked. Very yeah. seriously, top five-star recruited. Um, NBA, uh, not NBA, McDonald's All-American player. And, yeah, he's going to go to Louisville, I think, which is where Donovan Mitchell obviously went to school. And he's played under the, is it the Rising Stars program? Is that what they call it? It's called the Next Stars program. Next Stars, thank you, right? So with the Sydney Kings. I, I think that's the, the greatest, the first cab off the ring and the, the best news we could have received in, in August is a really, really top flight recruit choosing to come play in the NBL over going to college. So absolutely does. I, look, he might get used like Terrence Ferguson and he might not get used a whole bunch from a team that's full of, you know, grown ass men. And so to be, so <laughs> the reality is, he could end up scoring, you know, seven points a game and not really be that, you know, a, a highlight reel sort of player. But definitely early in the season, Daz, I really want to go see him. So I want yeah, to well, they've got Andrew Bogut as well. So there's there's a good guy to learn off, I guess, from a um, from a culture that's point right. of they view. They got Bogues, don't they? Um, yeah, the right. Bogut's come back. I'll be interested to see that. That's the big thing. I'll be interested to see when these next star guys come out. How much are they featured? Uh, you know, is there a 
is there a sort of part of the agreement that you come out here and we are going to teach you or is it more about come into a professional program and we'll teach you how to be a professional and how to play a role within a team system and we saw Terence Ferguson I think that that aided him to some extent last year he started a number of games for OKC um, last season and at least by knowing his role within the Adelaide offence, and he didn't touch the ball a lot in the game I saw him for Adelaide, and he certainly is not going to touch the ball a lot when you're out there with Russ Westbrook. Um, so at least he understands I'll be through and do guy, um, and maybe that'll be the same with Bowen. Or, and my understanding of what I've read of Bowen, that was sort of, you know, he's a, he's a defensive guy as well, so he'll at least be able to contribute on that end. Um, so that that's going to be the interesting thing, I think, when these kids come out. Um, is the expectation going to be, no, we're going to showcase mm. your skills, or is it more yeah, going to be, we're know. going to show that you can play a role within a team offence or a team defence and be a professional? And is that a way of actually raising your draft stock um, as well, rather than just putting up empty stats like what we saw from the sort of Markel Fultz and, and the Ben Simmons college experience? That's a great question. I don't know if that's part of the deal, really, is it? Um, I don't think there's anything there in terms of the deal, no, but yeah, obviously there's yeah. there's some agreement, like Bowen's had to agree to come out and be part of this. So but, what what's the attraction for him, I guess? Is it going to be that we're going to feature you against in a professional league and that's going to raise your draft stock or is it going to be more about we're going to show that you can be part of a professional program and that's and, and, and what is more important in raising your draft stock I think that's an interesting question um, as well that may be answered uh, depending on, on how those guys go because wouldn't it be interesting Daz to see one guy comes out and puts up numbers and they're empty stats on a team that's towards the bottom of the table and another guy doesn't put up the haughty numbers but he's part of a, a championship team in the NBL and, and what's more valued in terms of what the NBA guys are looking at when draft time comes around? I suppose it depends on the player, right? So these top recruits, you know, I think it depends on what... There's a there's a real specific reason, right, why he chose Sydney. Now, I don't know if I know exactly why he's cho- he's chosen to come out here. I think no doubt part of it might be, you know, earn a paycheck, come to a great city. You know, it speaks the language of these kids, you know, haven't done tons of international travel. So, you know, maybe going to play in Lithuania or even Spain could be just a bit too much for the family to wanting to handle. So it could be lifestyle sort of things. But I think there's a, right, the the, the Australian, um, the what's the word not affinity but it's so now part of the nba conversation and this pipeline between australia and the saint mary's college like it's just a it's a very familiar place right where a style of basketball is quite respected and understood right because of delhi and bogut and so forth as well so i think there's just a i i think there's that but i, I guess it probably goes the individual player is he really looking to what learn how to play team defense because he could be a three and D prospect or is he, I just don't think the NBL, you tell me different. The NBL is not the place to come shoot, you know, 26 times a game and put up a bunch of empty stats, right? I, you I don't really foresee that happening for these stars, right? Cause this is a, right. This is like a, like any of these international leagues is a men's league. And these 19-year-old kids are probably going to be physically overmatched. So I just don't think that's going to be part of the equation. Because um, why wouldn't you just you know, go do something 
Well, you could play in college and score 26 points a game. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it's exactly, I think it's going to be the latter. I think it's going to be more about showing you can be part of a professional program, showing you can play a role, because very few, look, as a rookie, you're not going to come out unless you're at the very bottom of the team, be be the feature guy every night. You're going to have to come in and sort of play a role within an offense and within a defense. Um, I mean, this is a guy that I'm just looking at his stats now. So he averaged 21.4 points, 6.8 rebounds and 3.2 assists as a senior in, in high school, but that's not necessarily going to translate, obviously, to the NBL. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so I, I think they're going to be more looking at the fitting in with a system, fitting in with the team, um, and being around a professional environment, which I think is is probably more beneficial, to my mind, um, before going to the NBA than yeah. to sort of run around in college in, for a in, year. That's, certainly it's not at the, le- the level of the NBA, but just basic things like strength and conditioning, how to take care of your body and I just just, you just don't get that nearly as much the pressure in college right where you go into bloody class and do all kinds, all kinds of stuff you just don't have the full time and attention to dedicate to you know to your craft and to your body and stuff so um, I, I just can't wait I think it's a, when we when we first saw that news I think we both said it is a great idea it's going to be a nice way to bridge some of the pipeline I just I just hope this is the first cab off the rank that eventually every single NBL team fills both of its, um, I think it's two slots per team, right? Which is what they've allotted for, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know 100% on that. I know it was I think it's two per, Yeah, I think it's two per team. But um, anyway. Did you also know that the other, the other cool sort of little miniature piece of exposure now, right, is that the, the NBL is going over to Hawaii? And so the Kings are actually going to play a, um, a game against the Clippers in a couple of weeks. Did you see this? Oh yeah, they're going over. So yeah. I think they. I've got a the feeling there's a game in Vegas as well. I think there's a game in LA. Um, they're going over. Yeah. There's a number of teams, Great. and they're actually they're, there's some competitions you can get on, online um, to win tickets to go over and see your teams. And they're actually quite competitive last year when they went over. Funnily yeah. enough, I was I was surprised at how competitive um, these teams were. I mean, particularly there was a Melbourne um, United played OKC, and OKC had to put their starters back in. The make sure they won the game so um and that was um, when i talk stars i'm talking about westbrook paul george etc so i'm sure look once the nba season was up and running they wouldn't the, the, the games wouldn't be as close but i was i was quite impressed with just how competitive the nbl teams were and look uh, i've been watching the nbl now you know for a number of years across across my whole life but i've probably got more engaged in the last few years um and it's obviously had its ups and downs in australia but uh, the standard now is i think as good as it's ever been um and this is only going to serve to raise um the standards even more and we've got you know there there are a number of guys in the nba now who actually came to the nbl first james ennis who's just signed with the um Houston Rockets was in the NBA. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the NBL for Melbourne uh, a few seasons ago. Paddy Mills came out here um, in, in between, sort of when when before he really hit off with the Spurs and came back out for a season. So there's been a number of guys that have come out and done well in the NBL uh, before going on and uh, and uh, sort of kickstarting their career in the NBA. So let's hope that uh, Brian Bowen's one of many players that come out. He is the only guy to be signed up first, but I'll certainly be making a road trip up to Sydney, Daz, hopefully for my Wollongong Hawks to go up there and um, and play against the Sydney Kings. It should be a good game to see 
Um, so look, but we might leave it there. Daz, we'll, uh, we might leave it for another couple of weeks as we as we sort of count down to the season starting. What's the quickly the draw was released? Did any games jump out of you in the in the opening night or the first week that you're particularly looking forward to at this stage? No, the big news was um, um, the Bucks. My Bucks playing Madison Square Garden on Christmas Day. So that's a pretty cool thing for. You know, yeah, Gus Johnson calling again. I, I believe. Yeah, as well. Gus Johnson. I would hope, and yeah, that'll be a. I can't wait. So I, that was probably the. Um, to all due respect to the um, the MCG Boxing Day test, right? So mm. American Christmas is our Boxing Day, right? I think we're going to be glued to the NBA that day, Daz. Uh, there's some pretty cool games on Christmas. That was the jump out. That was the standout for me was the Christmas games. Well, the standout for Spurs you? fans was they did not have one nationally televised game. So <laughs> yeah. we we pull one out for the, the era Spurs of relevance. Know they, know, they know what they're doing. <laughs> Post, Look, repost, re-repost. Seriously, we couldn't, get, uh, we couldn't get a Wolves-Spurs game on Christmas Day, the Battle of the Mid-Range? Come on. Paul, LMA, and DeRozan, oh my God. Honestly, they had Rudy Gay the other day. He's just practicing, and the, all it was was just the highlight reel of him hitting mid-range jumpers. That's so I got, I got chills. I got to be honest with you, I got chills. <laughs> Bank shots from the wing. That's, right. yeah, that's it. From the elbow. From the elbow. Yeah, oh, that's right. I can't believe Spurs fans were, were livid about it. I just thought, oh well. That's yeah, look, I first world was... NBA problems, isn't it? Yeah, honestly, I don't think. I forget what's the date that Toronto's meant to be coming back to. Uh, oh, January tenth, I, th- I think. Off top, off the top of my head, it was January tenth. So no doubt Kawhi will be uh, rested there. He um, will not even make the trip. No, there's no way he's making that trip. I don't think Kawhi will have to wait for his All Star ballot to come back to find out how San Antonio <laughs> fans. <laughs> feel about it but his heartfelt thank you letter might have smoothed over some of the bumps uh, I can't even talk about that that was so awkward (laughs) I couldn't even read the whole thing I was so embarrassed uh, there's a great piece on the Ringer NBA pod. The chaser Arno breaks it down line by line. So oh, if you he? get oh, a okay. chance, uh, listen to that. He does a much better job than. What oh, I'm... he's a Spurs fan too. Yeah, right? yeah, he does a much yeah, better job yeah. than what I'd be able to do. Okay, Daz, look good to talk to you again, mate. We'll we'll leave it there and we'll um we'll catch up in another couple of weeks and see if we've got any news or we might throw a few more questions at you and as we prepare for the next season. I think the trade front's quiet unless there's a the next disgruntled Kyrie brewing unbeknownst to all of us i think we're going to be pretty quiet yeah I think so, so yeah I think enjoy so. the silence my friend all right mate we'll talk soon see you buddy thanks